It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. You are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now. Great D, the man the legend. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate on a Friday, JT in studio with Bobby. Happy birthday, Bobby. Holy crap. This is a big day. It's Bobby's birthday. No one's been with me longer than Bobby, which says a lot, because not a lot of people can be with me long, other than my wife and Bobby and my best friends, and Bobby is near the top of the list. A happy birthday to Bobby today on a big birthday here. He puts the show together. He's the glue of Lotus Broadcasting, man. He can do it all. Thrilled to work with him. Thrilled to have the Masters on, watching Brooks Kepka. How about me? How about a pat on the back for me saying this could happen? That the live golfers who left to go to Saudi Arabia money and took the live money? Brooks Kepka is tearing up Augusta National, and I like him, and most people don't. Why? Because they say he's arrogant and confident. Oh, isn't that LeBron James? Isn't that Steph Curry? Isn't that Serena Williams? Isn't that Angel Reese from LSU who was trash-talking at Caitlin Clark? Well, what's the problem, everybody? Put on your big boy pants. You can't handle an American who basically walks around and says, I don't have to talk to you, listen to you. I got my own life. I'll take the money and I'll go win majors. I like Brooks Kepka. I've always liked him. And most importantly, I like Kepka because he's an American golfer. Now the live golfers don't play on the Ryder Cup. But when he did play on the Ryder Cup, he represented the United States of America well. And I wave my USA flag. I don't root for Hovland and John Rahm. I don't live in Spain. I don't live in Australia with Jason Day. I root for the American golfers. That's who I root for. So I like I love, Phil Mickelson's on a tear. What a scam ESPN is doing. They won't show Phil Mickelson. Oh, really? You're not going to show Phil because he's taking live money too? Well, you know what Phil's saying? Screw you. I'm going to be on the leaderboard all weekend and you're going to have to show me. Oh, this is great golf. Phil fires a 69 and says, quote, I'm close to going on a tear. Yeah, you better believe he is. Kepka 12 under. Sam Bennett, an amateur, 8 under. John Rahm, 7 under. Uh, Morikawa, 6 under. Hovland, 6 under. Jason Day. Jason Day fell apart at the end. Spieth and Jason Day are tied for 6th at 5 under par. Sam Burns also at 5 under par with Shane Lowry. So I love this leaderboard. I love my weekend here. I love this leaderboard. Phil Mickelson, four under par in 11th place. That's a hell of a storyline. If you like golf the way I love golf, how cool is it going to be to sit in the backyard with the Modelo this weekend and watch this team, uh, these guys play? I can't wait. Again, the Live Golf, I don't love Live Golf. I'm not a fan of taking Saudi Arabia money. I'm a 9-11 guy. I lost a fraternity brother at the top of Cannon Fitzgerald. I support the PGA Tour over Live, but give the Live guys credit. A lot of them said, hey, I'm going to take the money. The money's enormous. I play golf. I'm going to play three days a week instead of four, play, play with shorts on. And a lot of golfers want to go down that road. 
And plus, the United States of America does a tremendous amount of business with Saudi Arabia. So dip that into reality. As we have oil companies and we have social media companies and we have airline and hotel companies doing business with the Saudis, and every president in my lifetime has gone to Saudi Arabia and sat down with their crown prince. So don't tell me a bunch of guys can't play golf and take some Saudi money. Then good, then move Exxon, Apple, all these companies out of Saudi Arabia and tell them they're not going to take any money. You're going to boycott those companies too? So I think this is a compelling topic today on the Masters as we open up the show. A couple of things. I just did an hour podcast with a guy by the name of Mike Diamond. Mike Diamond is a motivational speaker. He's an interventionist. He fixes people. He is a sobriety coach. He's a life coach, uh, a rock guy, uh, has the big TV show. On A&E, uh, you might have seen his Ink shows. Is, is, he's a big reality star in the tattoo world. A longtime friend of mine. So he's in town for a book signing tomorrow in Henderson. His new book on positivity. And we just did an hour in studio right before I started this show. And it was really cool. So I'm going to pump out that podcast. Speaking of podcasts, in the second hour, I sat down with two of the gals here in our studio who are diehard Raider fans. And I was a guest on their podcast. And I thank them so much, uh, Step McKenzie and Rachel Nunez, that I'm going to play a portion of me with them in their podcast. If you're a female Raider fan, uh, these ladies know what they're talking about. And they were kind enough to have me on. We're going to play some of that uh, next hour. And I'm going to rerun next hour my Fred Bolitnikoff interview because we got to help out Fred. I was on the phone with Fred 20 minutes ago. We got a couple more foursomes to sell, just a few more. And we want you to play in this golf tournament. So go to Bolitnikoff.org, Bolitnikoff.org, and uh, go sign up. Go sign up and go check it out. I think it'll be pretty cool there. Vinny Bonsignor joins us at the bottom of the hour. So 20 hours ago, Ian Rappaport said this, which is now exploding throughout NFL media, as once again the Raiders in Las Vegas are entertaining top quarterbacks. That would be the Las Vegas Raiders, who of course have done all the quarterback homework. We're at all the pro days and are expected to visit with all the top guys throughout the course of the process. Bryce Young is there today, the Alabama quarterback, who is certainly in contention to be the number one overall pick by the Carolina Panthers. If he is not taking one, if the Panthers go with C.J. Stroud or potentially other, uh, then presumably Bryce Young would go too. So why are the Las Vegas Raiders meeting with him? Well, one would think, Mike, that potentially they would consider a trade-up to two. I know there were some people who thought they might end up trading up to one before the Carolina Panthers made that big move with the Chicago Bears. Either way, one thing we know about the draft is you really have no idea. And so it is better to just do your homework and be ready for every crazy situation rather than not. I'd say that's probably the category that the Raiders are in right now, talking to Bryce Young on his top 30 visit. Wow. Let me tell you, wow. We know the Raiders tried to trade up to number one. It was too expensive, so they didn't do it. Do you feel that they're trying to trade up to number two? They know a lot of guys in the Texans organization, Nick Casario, very connected with Ziegler and McDaniels. Could the Raiders be moving up to number two to get to Bryce Young? That's the topic. That's what I'm going to ask Vinny Bonsignor. I want to go defense. Defense. I want defensive players one through five. Okay, I want all defense. I want a corner. I want a defensive tackle. I want a linebacker. I want another corner, and I want another defensive interior player. I don't care about the offensive line. If you do get a good guard in the third round, I won't go crazy. 
I won't go crazy with anything. I'm going to listen to what they do. But I want to go heavy on defense. If the Raiders go and trade up for Bryce Young, here's what we know to be true. The Jimmy Garoppolo era will come to an end shortly. Okay, Jimmy will start the season. He'll be the quarterback. But Jimmy's not going to play here much longer because Bryce Young's going to play. Right? He's going to play. Josh Allen plays. Right? Trevor Lawrence plays. This guy would be expected to play. And on top of that, we know that the Raiders would have to give up more draft picks to go get him which I don't like the sound of that. I like to have all these draft picks to build the defense. But if they get Bryce Young, the face of the franchise, we, talking to me and all of our season ticket holders, we're set for life, man. We're all good. If you get Bryce Young, if you're able to go get Bryce Young and get him, the Raiders have the face of the franchise for 10 more years, assuming he doesn't bust out, and I don't think he's going to bust out. And then you'd have Bryce Young playing on a rookie contract. He'd get his rookie contract extension. He'd get another $200 million maybe five years from now or more, or he could be franchise tagged. And every fan walking into Allegiant Stadium for the next five, six, seven years will have the face of the franchise in Bryce Young, which doesn't sound like a bad idea because we don't want the Raiders picking at seven much longer. We don't want the Raiders in the top five, ten of the draft. We want the Raiders to win. So I think I think it's becoming a very interesting topic. And if it's not, it's a smoke screen. And I don't mind a good old-fashioned smoke screen, right? <laughs> I don't mind that. If they're saying, hey, we're going to interview all these quarterbacks and having them in, and other GMs are saying, hey, what the hell is Ziggler doing over in Henderson? Why, why is he having dinner with Bryce Young twice in the last two weeks? Why is Anthony Richardson there and Will Levis? And why are they here and there? Well, the Raiders are interested in growing their quarterback room. Now, I don't believe that now. For me, I'd like to go with Brian Hoyer and Jimmy Garoppolo and then go get a quarterback maybe next year or the year after that. But I don't know because I don't know the hand that Dave's going to play if he loves this quarterback or not. Vinny Bonsignor is really good on a lot of things. He's really good on this topic. I can tell you what Vinny's going to say before he comes on. He's going to say if the Raiders are enamored and they love this quarterback, they're going to go get him. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So that's where we stand as all the golfers out at the Masters are marking their balls in the fairway and on the green. There is a weather delay, and here it comes. The weather has started now. The Masters is on pause because of thunder showers and lightning. So all the golfers are walking off the course, and we have a delay right now, and uh, we'll get back to the Masters when it's ready. What a night I had last night at the Vegas Golden Knights game. OMG! I love to tell stories. My program directors say, tell more stories. I go, no, I want to talk sports. But I'll tell you a sports story from last night. Went to the game with one of my buddies who works at the Raiders. We hooked up with a famous rock and roll managing legend. And we sat center ice in the lower bowl and watched Vegas come right out of the gate and explode. Now, I thought the key to the game last night was the Kings scored early, but they took the goal away which completely changed the momentum of the start. Puck comes side of the goal, and the Kings have scored! We'll see who gets credit. I think Quentin Byfield was around the net if he got a piece of the shot from the wing. After review, the play was offside. No goal. Wow, that was cool. So no goal. They took the goal away. 
And then Kessel came through and opened up the scoring for VGK, and it didn't stop from there. Here's Stevenson behind the net, joined by Kessel. Phil walks out in front of wraparounds. It's in the goal! Kessel wraps it around at the left post. Barbashev crashing the crease as well. Phil Kessel gets the first goal after all. one nothing Knights. The NHL Ironman comes through in a big way. That was a fantastic start to the game. Barbashev, what an addition by the Vegas Golden Knights. Kelly McCrimmon making this move to get an impact player who's coming through. Kessel slows the progress towards the line. Kept in the zone by Stevenson. Left circle, centered, score! Barbashev at the back door. 2-0 Knights. What a pass from Chandler Stevenson. I mean, how are you not getting behind this team? I mean, this is unbelievable. This is quality hockey. This is the number one seat out west in the city we live in in Vegas. This is incredible hockey, the way they're playing. I love everything going on. Bobby, let's move to Waz's goal that put him up 4 nothing. The onslaught, this is when the game officially ended. Low to high, Petrangelo. Fires wide left. Rebound, Eichel in front. Score! Nick Waz! Power play goal. 4 nothing Knights. Uh, Kings got a couple of late goals there, but it was Vegas' final call. Vegas wins easily in a game they had to have to stay on top of the West. Into the zone come the Kings. Stevenson knocks it down in the slot. Chipped away, and this one is over. A resounding victory for the Golden Knights against their division rival, the L.A. Kings. Final score, Vegas 5, L.A. 2. Uh, Dan Duver on the call on our sister station here at Knights Radio. I was Jersey guy last night. You don't catch that often. I wore the jersey. I went out as a total fan, fanboy last night. No problem with that. Wave to the press box. Right? Yesterday we had Riley Smith on the show. Right? We always have Vegas Golden Knight guests. I was fanboy last night with the jersey. Had a great time. Afterwards went to Mandalay Bay. Saw the Black Donleys at Re-Raw. The amazing Irish band. They put on a show. Asked me to go sing because I sing. To go up there. I turned them down. Turned him down, had a couple of adult beverages on a school night, wanted to save the voice for this show and the podcast I did, but I had a good night last night. It's great to be a fan in Vegas of the Vegas Golden Knights. They bring me a lot of excitement and joy when they win and hopefully a lot of content and a lot of things to talk about here over the coming months if they advance in the playoffs, and I think they should. I think they should go out there and advance in the playoffs there. So that's what we're talking about today. we got Vinny at the bottom of the hour, uh, my Freddie interview, which a lot of people liked. If you didn't hear it, you'll hear it again. Uh, the podcast I was on, Step McKenzie's podcast, which is really good. And we'll take your phone calls throughout the show if you sound off like you got a pair. The, the key topic, which I'm still about a week away. So starting next week, we're going to do more and more, more and more mock drafts, more guests coming on. Excited about that. And then two weeks out from the draft, which we're about to be, then I'm going balls out on the NFL draft and the Raiders selections. So that's what our programming is going to be like as the flagship of the Raiders over the next couple of weeks is the draft. Heading into the Raiders draft party and what the Raiders are going to be doing here in town. It's a big moment for this organization since they moved to Las Vegas because the Raiders have done a terrible job in the draft since they moved to Las Vegas. Love Max Crosby, right? He's a throwout statistic. He's playing like a Hall of Famer, the rest of these draft picks, it's been a disaster by good people who are in charge with great intentions, right? And they're not here anymore, and I wish them well. 
And now the gentlemen who are taking over, the gentlemen who are taking over need to do a better job. Excuses die, the record stands. The first four or five picks have to be electric. They have to be great Raider players who are starters, not developmental guys we're parking on the practice squad. We're done with that. We're done with that. I don't talk about second and third teamers until they make the team or they get cut at the end of the preseason, which no one plays in the preseason anymore. No one seems to want to play in the preseason anymore. So when I get the final 53-man roster, and we can share it with you, when they send it to me, and here's, the, here's it, I'm going to talk about those players. I'm not going to do a lot of preseason football on the third-string backup cornerback or the sixth wide receiver or the second swing tackle. That's not my level of expertise. My level of expertise, hopefully, is getting the fans together and riled up for a season that's going to be better than expected because the Raiders are loaded on offense, absolutely loaded, loaded, and then their defense is vastly improved because of the draft. That's my perfect scenario. It's probably not going to be perfect, but why wouldn't I talk about a perfect scenario in April? Why would I talk about a disaster scenario in April, May, and June? I'm trying to get this thing to go to the next level. I'm trying to get this thing to go to the next level where everybody's excited about this roster. And most of you guys, as they say in Goodfellas, most of you guys are not excited about anything. You're inherently negative about everything right now, which is okay because there are no rules. You're allowed to be negative. But I don't have to be negative with you. I don't have to be that guy in April, May, June, and July. I'm trying to bring the Raider Nation together and then if you want to go find a rogue podcast with some guy in his house saying that the everything sucks, subscribe to that. I don't need that click. And then if the season starts off, hopefully it starts off well, and we have something to be excited about. But in my position in this seat, I'm going to be Mr. Positive in April and May. Okay? I'm not going to your, your sports bar and walking in and saying this team sucks. Find another guy. I'm sure there's plenty in town. Thor in Vegas is positive. He's a member of the Black Hole. He's diehard. How are you, Thor? Man, I'm hanging in, JT. I'm hanging in, man. I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to put a positive spin on it. I'm, I'm excited about the draft. Um, I, like you, want to go defense, 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 defense. However, I'm not upset at them doing their due diligence on, on anything, right? Um uh, you never know. You never know. Maybe maybe we don't move up, and maybe we at seven. Maybe someone falls to us. We've seen people fall before, and maybe maybe the due diligence we did says it's worth taking a shot there. So I'm okay with them doing that. I do want to go all defense. I think this team is not that far away. Even though we were six and eleven last year, we're really a few plays away in some close games where. Draft, good drafting builds championship quality teams. And I believe we can be that team. I believe the, the pieces we picked up, the dude from Frisco, the, the dude from Buffalo, these are our, our, our pieces we need to help. And in the draft, hopefully, with 12 picks, hopefully we hit on five, six of those and have real quality starters and stars in this league. And I believe we're right there now fighting for um, playoffs and, and, dare I say, championships. I, I'm, I'm always positive, JT. Yeah, I'm always 
How are we going to win? Well, th- and thank you, Thor. Good to hear from you, man. Keep it going. Appreciate it. Thor has a podcast, too, and he is a positive guy. As he mentioned, when everybody talks about the five double-digit losses that the Raiders had, five second-half double-digit losses never happened before. It will never happen again. I don't think it's ever happened in Pop Warner. I mean, it'll never happen again, right? So if the Raiders would have had two of those, two conservatively, they're an eight-win team. They should have had at least three. They would have been a nine-win team. But I can't do woulda, coulda, shoulda. I'm just telling you what the reality was. And if the Raiders won nine wins, if the Raiders had nine or eight wins, it would have tempered down a lot of the Raider fans who are just negative because it's six wins. A lot of Raider fans yet, who are all great, notorious fans, The Raider fans should know that the 10-win season was beautiful. They didn't win a playoff game, but they got in. And God knows they needed to finally get to the playoffs, man. This drought was tremendously long. But the team wasn't as good as you think it was. It wasn't. At least in the eyes of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, as they deconstructed the lineup, the roster, while the season was going on. Now it's on them. It all goes to that scouting department, that GM, to bring in faster, smarter, and more explosive players. And the only way you can do that is you got to hit four out of five right out of the gate in the draft. Yeah, I don't want to hear about a seventh-round pick. It's nice if you get a seventh-round pick, and he's fast and explosive, and he plays himself into this league. But I think you want to do that with your second, third-round picks, two third-round picks. You want to get those guys up and and ready to go. Nothing against Tanner Muse and some of the the other guys who have been drafted on this team. Uh, Most of them are not even in the league. How is that possible? How do you get drafted here a few years ago and you're not even in the league? Or, or you've been moved around, right? Jonathan Abrams now what on? His fourth team coming up here? Uh, third team? You're seeing players that, other than Josh Jacobs and Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro, there is just a sea of players that are no longer considered good football players in this league. Some are hanging on by a thread. And they saw a lot of the good players at the Patriots who ended up coming in as fourth, fifth-round picks, become legends. So why not hope for that here? Why not hope that the guys who were in the room, and they weren't in charge. Dave Ziegler wasn't in charge of the New England draft, and Josh McDaniels wasn't the head coach. It was Bill Belichick, but they were in the room. They saw how scouts worked together, how they communicated, what they did, what they looked for, and that's what they're selling me on and selling you on, that those eyeballs that were in the Patriots draft room are the new eyeballs here, or some of them, and they're going to get it right. Only time will tell. Vinny Bonsignor at the bottom of the hour. Breaking the action at the Masters due to weather. And the weather is going to be in and out here. So there's going to be a lot of starting and stopping. Uh, Tiger Woods is pretty much irrelevant now. Uh, Tiger would have to shoot six or seven under to at least have a storyline here. But this overall leaderboard is super impressive. In fact, that Brooks Kepka went 12 under par. Rom's out there. He's even through six. So Rom didn't come out with a couple of birdies, which is surprising to me. Jason Day's five under. He should have been seven or eight under. Jordan Spieth. Let me tell you about that. That's a guy I like heading into the weekend. Jordan Spieth is five under. He can get hot. But Jordan Spieth is trailing Brooks Kepka by seven strokes. Not two. Seven. Kepka, if you didn't watch the Netflix series Full Swing, Kepka was episode two, and in the episode, he had his hair dyed blonde. His fiance at the time was walking around their house basically naked. He was depressed. He was losing. He was really depressed on his couch talking to his mom, and every golf fan who watched it said, man, he's toast. His career's over, 
and he's going to go to live and, and take, some, uh, take a little bit of money on the way out. No, 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 no. He fixed himself. I don't know if he got mental health, what he did, his coaching, but he's playing great. So that's the third best 36 uh, score, 36 hole score in Masters history at 12 under. Tiger Woods is currently plus three. The current cut line is two over. And that's a big bet in Vegas. A lot of people in Vegas betting, does Tiger make the cut or not? I would have bet. I don't bet, but I would have said, yes, he would have made the cut. So he's going to have to fight and fight his way through. Interested in our conversation coming up with Vinny Bonsignor, Vegas Nation, the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, Vinny has a lot of access, and Vinny has a lot of access to the draft because he was at the owners' meeting with Q and uh, has access to all this. So I'm going to have a good, a really good conversation with him about what the Raiders should do, what he's thinking they're going to do. That's coming up next. We're brought to you by PTs. Wow, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Now back to the JT The Brick Show, and it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila, and presented by the Realty One Group. Yeah, and, and also an interest cue in trying to get guys not on a one-year deal. You know what I mean? And so between Marcus and Spillane and Faison and you know some of the guys, Myers and, and Garoppolo offensively, we're trying not to do this thing where it's like every year there's, you know, one-year deal, a bunch of one-year deals. Now, you're always going to do a few. You know what I mean? We know that. We're always going to do a few one-year deals. That's kind of impossible to get around that. But I think that we are looking for guys that are looking for a place that they want to call home for more than nine or ten months. You know what I mean? And be a part of our culture. We try to explain to them what we're looking for, uh, why we're interested in them. There's a very specific reason for all of them. And um, I think we've addressed some of those things. And I think they, uh, they're eager to kind of play a leadership role in their individual rooms and then collectively as a defense here, uh, see if we can't improve that group you know, all together. That's Josh McDaniels, Dos Cotas Tequila, Vinny's partner. We promote our partners and Vinny is our teammate and we promote his partners as he joins us. And I've been looking forward, Vinny, to our conversation this week. Thanks so much for your time. As Now I think there's either a big smoke screen at quarterback at number two or at number seven or not. And, you know, I'm just talking about this as an, at a national level. A lot of people nationally are buying into the fact that the Raiders might go up and get a quarterback. What are you hearing? Yeah, um, and thanks for having me, uh, JT, as usual. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, and here's the thing. I've been talking to some people in the NFL. Uh, you know, more than likely it's going to unfold just as everyone sort of suspects where, uh, you know, it's C.J. Stroud um, or Bryce Young or, you know, one combination of, of either of those as the first or second pick going to Carolina and Houston. But, uh, and here's the, uh, here's the, the why the Raiders, I think, are doing what they're doing and doing their due diligence, bringing in a Bryce Young uh, yesterday for a visit to Henderson, is who's to say Houston, um, you know, what, what, what's to say Carolina doesn't take the quarterback that Houston prefers? And Houston decides, well, we don't like this guy at this particular spot in the draft. We'd rather trade down, revisit quarterback maybe next year when a Caleb Williams uh, is available. So maybe it opens the door, depending on what Carolina does, for Houston to want to trade uh, out, of that, uh, out of that spot. Or 
what if the Carolina Panthers fall in love with Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or Houston does that too, and maybe a quarterback that the Raiders prefer is now available at number three. Either way, whether it's two or three, there's, there might be a possibility that a quarterback that the Raiders like enough to trade up for is available, and there's a team willing to trade down with them as well. So I think when you start hearing some of the some of the rumblings that are out there, and when you start hearing uh, or, or seeing the Raiders bring certain quarterbacks that you don't think are going to be uh, there available to them at number seven to Henderson, you're wondering, well, why would they be doing that if not to make doubly sure, just in case one of those quarterbacks falls to a place that they're comfortable moving up to, that they'd be ready to uh, make that move if, if that scenario unfolds. Vinny Bonsignor joins us, and that is exactly what could happen. The only pushback I'll give on that, then that blows up the theory if they do at, at wait at seven for a quarterback or trade up and have to give up draft equity, that it, it won't be impossible, but it'll be close to impossible to nail a defensive draft without having the seventh pick and to go out and get an elite corner, right? There's two of them or get an interior rusher. You could get them in the second round, and in theory, yeah, let's hope that's the case, but you're not going to get them if you go get a quarterback that's going to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that's what makes this conversation fascinating. I'm on the side of rebuild the defense quickly and do it with explosive and faster players who are there at seven or kind of hope you can do it in the third or fourth round, which I don't have a lot of confidence in. Yeah, the counter-argument to that uh, would be, what if the Raiders feel like the quarterback that they're trading up for can be the equivalent of one of the great young quarterbacks that's in the game today? Yep. And would they, would they rather just go secure that um, you know, conviction uh, and that quarterback who they think is going to be one of the great quarterbacks uh, in this game and then you know, uh, dial back or circle back to the defense later in the, in the draft and then also post, post-draft free agency uh, and next year's draft as well. Uh, that's the debate. That's the, uh, the struggle that, that, that you would have. Is this quarterback good enough? Are we, do we feel this good about this quarterback that we cannot let him get out of this draft if he's, if he's falling to a place that they're comfortable uh, trading up to um, and, and regret not doing that just because we feel like we've got to you know, improve the defense. Those are conversations that, that you know, are ongoing um, in, in Henderson at the, at the facility. Uh, and and I, I'm a firm believer that if you feel like that quarterback's going to be the guy, you go get him and you worry about everything uh, after that because there's no more important position on the football field than quarterback. Vinny Monsignor, and I said that before you came on. I said Vinny would say that, and I believe you. you you've said that, and we know that's to be true, and that's why you're such an important piece on this lineup because I've heard you say this countless times on your show. If you got the guy, you got to go get him at all costs, and I'm good with it. If we're sitting at the draft party and we're announcing a quarterback at number two or number seven, we're both going to walk away knowing that's the future of the franchise. If that's the case, which I'll be good with if he's a great player, what does that mean with Jimmy Garoppolo going forward? Yeah, and, and real quick, a quick aside to that, I've had enough conversations to, to, to really have a, a strong feeling that they, they wouldn't do that unless that was the feeling. They're not going to settle. They're not going to do something just because they feel they have to do it. It's going to have to be they have a conviction for that quarterback. What would it mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, I, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think what, what any quarterback coming into the building through the draft, whether it's in the second round, the third round, moving up to number two or number three or even at number seven, uh, it means that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is here right now, uh, and then whoever that quarterback that they bring in, 
when they feel like that quarterback is ready. And, you know, I've had many coaches and baseball managers always say, hey, players make those decisions more than we do. When that player is ready to, to move in to be the starter, that's when Jimmy Garoppolo will take a step back and maybe move on. Uh, and that young quarterback will then take over. And when you look at the structure of Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, contract, I think the Raiders are in a really good position. If a quarterback that they bring in this year is ready to go next year, uh, then you know you, you can easily move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the the the, the final payout mm-hmm. uh, under that scenario would be about thirty three million dollars for this year, and and uh, as part of what he's owed next year. Uh, or if it's if it's into twenty twenty four or after twenty twenty four, you could walk away from him uh, pretty much scot free after after two years. So. Uh, he's protected monetarily in case that's what comes to pass for this after one year uh, or two years, whatever the case might be. And I think Jimmy G knows. I mean, he's been around long enough to understand that this is a possibility. I would imagine that the Raiders have been completely upfront with him that, hey, look, uh, there's no because we're bringing you in does not preclude us from drafting a quarterback, maybe at number seven, maybe at number one, number two, whatever the case might be. And I think he understands that. And for his sake, you know, you go out there and put, put a hell of a year out there uh, for film. You stay healthy. You put up big numbers, whether it's to enhance your uh, probability of remaining here for one more year or maybe uh, opening up eyes around the NFL uh, that says, hey, this guy can still play. This guy is still a viable option. Uh, and maybe, you know, he moves on. Not saying any of that's going to happen, but uh, if you're talking about scenarios where you draft a high quarterback if you're the Raiders and that quarterback tells you by his play what he's doing in the classroom that he's ready to go ASAP maybe next year. Uh, there are ways to get out from under uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Vinny Bonsignor, uh, Devin Witherspoon is a hell of a player. I watched every one of his games last year, every single one, and he got beat a few times, but I just love his size and he, the way he explodes on the ball. But I'm sold on Christian Gonzalez. Uh, reminds me of Namdi Asamoah. I think uh, could be a better player than Namdi. Namdi didn't play on a lot of great teams, and – Namdi at times was a shutdown guy. I see a lot of mock drafts, Vinny, that have the Raiders at seven waiting at home for a corner and getting Christian Gonzalez. When you look back at the tape of last year and your analysis in the press box, tell me about the weakness of the cornerback position because Nate Hobbs has got to evolve into a starting don't come off the field outside or inside slot cornerback. If you got Nate Hobbs and Christian Gonzalez, and then we know they brought in a whole bunch of depth at corner, then maybe one of those other corners face on or someone else can step up and be the other starter. How do you see that? Yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm torn uh, in a good way uh, between uh, Witherspoon and, and Gonzalez. Boy, I tell you what, you look at Gonzalez, and this is a 20-year-old kid. He hasn't turned 21 until June. Um, and he's got uh, a pedigree. His father was a uh, professional basketball player um, uh, in his in his home country. His two sisters are track runners collegiately. He's obviously a fabulous uh, athlete. He was a four-star uh, recruit coming out of Texas, went to Colorado to start off with, uh, was an immediate contributor, followed his position, position coach to Oregon, and just kept getting better and better and better. And, you know, a guy like Witherspoon, on the other hand, uh, you know, don't forget who uh, recruited him at Illinois back in the day, and that's a guy by the name of Lovey Smith who also recruited Nate Hobbs. Lovey Smith knows what <laughs> you, you what what it needs to look like from a defensive backs perspective. That's what Lovey Smith you know cut his teeth in coming up uh, through the coaching ranks. So both of them, to me, would fit like a glove with the Raiders. If it was me, um, I think I would go with. 
uh, Christian Gonzalez. I just feel like the age factor. He's he's such a young prospect, and you figure that he's going to continue to get better. Uh, that would that would be uh, an ideal situation, and not taking anything away from Witherspoon because I think he'd be perfect as well. But then you also mentioned you know guys that they've brought in: Duke Shelley, David Long Jr. from the Rams, uh, Brandon Faison, who they've who they've brought back. And you're hoping that Nate Hobbs takes a step forward. Sam Webb had some nice moments last year. Tyler Hall, uh, who they brought in, um, every time he was on the field, he flashed. This is a younger room than, than I think some of us are, are, are giving it credit for. Uh, with some, some players now who bring some experience um, you know, and, and have played in some big games. David Long played in the Super Bowl. Uh, he mm-hmm. was a big part of what the Rams did a couple of years ago, uh, albeit in a reserve role, but still somebody that – was drafted to be a man-to-man cover guy out of Michigan. They kind of changed things up. They changed their defense from Wade Phillips' defense, which wasn't predicated on man-to-man. Uh, brought you know Brandon Staley in, and he played a little bit more zone. So it wasn't exactly what David Long was drafted to do. Here with the Raiders, he's going to get a chance to, to do what he was literally drafted to do with the Rams. So there's some promise. There's some upside in that cornerback room. And I think if you add one more, diff- uh, just a difference maker in Witherspoon or Gonzalez, that, that, that room all of a sudden looks a lot better. Uh, than, than it did last year. Wrapping up with Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, here's what I'm struggling with the most. Number one thing, I believe the offense could be better than last year only because of Garoppolo in the red zone. If it's a lateral move, I've talked to you about this on and off the air. If it's a lateral move with Carr, okay, they, they didn't want Carr. Carr's out. They didn't want him. So if it's a lateral move and they got a guy as good as him or a little bit better or just behind him, I can live with that only if he's better in the red zone. I didn't expect Josh Jacobs to lead the league in Russia. Now I expect him to do it again and go back to back. And I'm a big believer in Jacoby Myers, Devontae. Hunter's still on the roster, which I'm doing backflips, right? And they brought in two oversized big tight ends who can block and run routes. They're not as good as Waller, but Waller wasn't available. So assuming I'm right and this offense is a little bit better. Why can't the defense, even though they're gutting it, be a little bit better if they nail the draft, which means the Raiders' offense will keep them in games next year, and the defense will get off the field a few more times with younger and more explosive players. A lot of Raider fans can't see through the wall in front of them and believe that. Yeah, and uh, another thing to consider, it's, 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 it's still not a complete gutting of the defense. You know, You still do have... Um, you know, guys like Divine Diablo, uh, Trayvon Merrig, Nate Hobbs, um, you know, Luke Masterson, who had some nice moments uh, last year, uh, Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler, uh, a couple of guys that the Raiders drafted uh, last draft uh, and have been busy at the facility in Henderson, uh, you know, trying to get better. So it, it's not been a complete overhaul. Um, obviously, things are predicated on some of these younger players taking a step forward and obviously them hitting the draft. But here's another thing to add. Um, and, you know, it doesn't guarantee anything, but I think it puts the Raiders in a little bit of a better position. There's a bunch of young players on that defense that for the first time since 2020 are going into their second year, consecutive year, with the same defensive coordinator. You go back to Paul Gunther and then Rod Marinelli uh, and then Gus Bradley uh, and then Pat, Patrick you know, uh, Graham, the, the current defensive coordinator. Um, it was one year after the next was a different vision, a different you know way of looking at things. I would imagine that if you're a young player like Nate Hobbs, if you're Trayvon Merrick and Luke Masterson, um, and and et cetera, et cetera, Divine Diablo, it's got to be a big relief when you're coming into OTAs and and you're looking at the playbook currently, like right now, going, wow, this doesn't look like a completely different language right now. I remember this. This is what we were building last year, and you go in with a foundation. Uh, into your second or third years, depending on which player we're talking about, that's got to help uh, as well. So um, it's not completely gutting it. 
there are some young players that, I, that the Raiders still have a lot of hope for. You're going to add a bunch of uh, new players to the draft. Uh, they feel good about some of the free agent uh, players that they've brought in. Uh, so to your point, why can't this defense just get a little bit better? Yeah. You know, even if it goes from 27th, 28th, or whatever it was last year to 20th, if it could get from you know, 30th or 31st in the NFL in the red zone defense to around 20th or 19th or 18th, that makes a huge difference. And also to your point, the red zone. You know, the Raiders have been bad offensively in the red zone for a long time. One thing that, J- that Jimmy does is he plays well in the red zone. The statistics show that going all the way back to 2014. He's eighth among 38 quarterbacks that have thrown the ball at least 200 or, you know, 200 or more times in the red zone. His passer rating, I think it's 100.4, uh, is eighth best over that time. Not to throw anybody under the bus, but in that same exact period of time, throw, you know, uh, with with the similar uh, criteria, uh, uh, Derek Carr was had a passer rating of 89th. He was 30th among those 38 quarterbacks. Can that translate to the Raiders? I don't know. We're going to all find out. But if it does, it stands to reason that they're going to be a little bit more efficient in the red zone, and that's an area of the field, both offensively and defensively, that have killed the Raiders over the years. All right, Vinny, uh, all these visits here, we're hearing that going on. You're keeping track of all that. What should we look forward to now after the visits are winding down? You met with the coach and the GM on the road at the owners' meetings. Walk our listeners on this last question through the calendar and what you expect to see here as we head into the draft. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I, I think there's a big visit coming up. I, I want to say it's, it is this week. Uh, a couple of them, Hen and Hooker's coming in from Tennessee. Um, but also Jalen Carter, uh, the defensive tackle from, from Georgia. I've said this a million times. If you were to look up Raiders' defensive need in the dictionary, you'd probably see a picture of Jalen Carter. He's exactly what they need on film, mm-hmm. on the field. But obviously there's some issues with him off the field um, and maybe some motor issues and maybe some you know, work ethic issues. He's got a chance to really check off some boxes, meeting face-to-face with Dave Ziegler, meeting face-to-face with Josh McDaniels this week, and everybody else that's in the building for an extensive uh, meeting. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, he's not allowing him to, to, to talk to any team outside the top 10. He believes and firmly believes that, that his client is going to be a top 10 pick. I think he needs to, to make up some ground here, uh, but he has a chance to do that next week. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he sways anything one way or another. It could go both ways uh, with the Raiders. And I think if they're, if they're convicted and feel comfortable uh, that he's somebody that they're going to be able to count on next year and moving forward in the future. I don't think that they'd hesitate to, to draft him at number seven, uh, but he could also turn him off in the opposite way as well. So that's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, uh, you know, as the Raiders continue to build that draft board and get as much data as they can on all these players that they're bringing in, guys that they've gone to see in pro days, um, and, and who knows, again, to start as we started off with, the possibility of them you know, trading up to go get uh, the quarterback that they feel is going to uh, take them, you know, into the future in a positive way. Uh, you can't roll that out uh, as well. There's a lot that's on the table for the Raiders, uh, and I know that they're they're doing all their homework and, and and staying on top of this. But it could go a bunch of different ways between now uh, and and opening of draft night. Always look forward to this conversation every week. It's a big part of our show. Vinny, tell us about your partners here as we wrap it up heading into the weekend. Yeah, Dos Caras is uh, available this weekend if you guys want to. It's going to be a beautiful weekend here in Las Vegas over at the uh, Sonidisa Grill uh, on Lake Las Vegas. They're celebrating their 15th year anniversary, uh, so the tequila will be flowing uh, yes. over there. So give them uh, a shout-out over there. Uh, we always love uh, talking about Dos Caras and, and everything that they're doing, and we really appreciate their support. Thank you, Vinny. Have a great weekend. 
You too, man. All right, Vinny Bonsignor. That's a really good radio interview, and he did it all. Just set him up and wind him up and ask Vinny. That's the way I love talking to Vinny. What do you know? What are you hearing? What do you think? And Vinny is a journalist, and he also has a radio show. And when you're a journalist and you have a radio show, you know, you can't be a fan. Right. So you have to be a journalist and you can tell how embedded Vinny is with his opinions and his knowledge and everything he does. He's a lead insider for us. And we have the premier insiders on this show for a reason. He gives you that information. Now, the Jalen Carter situation, very big risk reward, massive risk if he turns out to be a knucklehead and flames out. But tremendous reward if he turns out to be Vince Wilfork or, you know, a great defensive tackle like Aaron Donald. And now the franchise is set with their biggest need. I like the corner. I like the youth of Gonzalez and his ability to come in and start at a young age and throw him out there. Or the quarterback and Anthony Richardson, where a lot of mock draft guys think that's where the Raiders are going at seven or might have to move up. They're back on the course at Augusta. Uh, Tiger looks like he's going to miss the cut unless he gets really hot here. We'll wrap up this hour next. Twenty-five feet now for birdie for Tiger at 15. From the center of the green to a front right hole location, breaking down to the right. Plenty of speed on this one, and it's in. Well, there you go. Uh, I'd like to see Tiger make a run here and make the cut. It'd be fun. Pretty much everyone makes the cut. Rory didn't. Maybe Rory can stop being. Rory McIlroy maybe today will stop being the preacher. The guy preaching the gospel of the PGA Tour as all these live golfers kicked his ass. Maybe Rory could stop talking about what's right or wrong about the PGA Tour and live golf. So, Bobby, you're going to see Sweet tonight on your birthday, man. That sounds like a good birthday night, man. How, uh, give us the background of you and Sweet and seeing them. Well, I like to go to concerts on my birthday, special occasions. A couple of years ago, I saw John Five over at Vamp, stuff like right. that. Um, I was going to go see Sweet anyway, because I've been wanting to see him for a while. I haven't had a chance to. And it just turns out they dropped in on my birthday, and a buddy of mine's like, I want to go see Sweet. And I'm like, I would like to, too. It's my birthday. He's like, I'll get you a ticket. And next thing you know, Good I'm on my you. way. And where is the concert tonight? At the Golden Nugget downtown. Golden Nugget downtown. Good mm -hmm. for you. Excellent. We love live music. You hear Bobby mixing it up all the time. Again, happy birthday here. I'm going to the fights tonight at Virgin Hotels inside the theater there. It's an early card, so I'm looking forward to that with the JOD and a couple of my buddies tonight. Had a blast last night. An absolute blast last night at the Vegas Golden Knights game. It was just a fantastic experience to be in the building as they won a really big game, an important game that puts them in great playoff position. They're in the playoffs, but I want to see that one seed. Uh, thanks to Brian Slagle for hosting us last night. What a night we had in there. It was a beautiful night to be at T-Mobile and a good night after that. Uh, coming up next, I think this is going to be cool. It's a little bit outside the box. I was on Steph McKenzie's podcast. She asked me a lot of pointed questions on the Raiders. You'll hear my answers to that. Also, our conversation with Freddie Bolitnikoff uh, coming up, too, here. Got an hour more to go on a beautiful Friday here. Hopefully the weather's warming up so we can have a bucket of Modellos together on a Friday.